Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me. My name is Coach Pav and today I'm going to be discussing how phenotypes play a role in your training. If you're a regular follower of my content, you will definitely have heard me repeatedly say how important personalizing your cycling training is. It's a bit more complicated, but if we could boil it down to one thing, is that what we look at there is your individual phenotypes, and then we would construct your training accordingly. So they play a massive role in, uh, in how I coach. And while there are obviously other factors to consider, it's there's still there's still going to be the some of the biggest biggest changes in your training are going to come from them so today you're going to obviously go through what the heck they actually are and the main ones that we talk about or consider in cycling training how you would go about establishing a baseline because some of these are a bit more complicated then there's other factors to consider in your cycling training the main ones at least that we would look at and then how to adapt your training or personalize your training according with your, your phenotypes. What are phenotypes? So the Oxford Languages definition of phenotypes is the set of observable characteristics of an individual resulting from the interaction of its genotype with the environment. So essentially, take your genes, your DNA stretches, um, and add in environmental factors, and the result is your phenotypes. So if we take an example, when you first started cycling, you could probably only ride your bike for very short periods of time. There are many factors why, but with time, you would obviously be able to extend the duration that you simply could ride your bike. Not talking about any intensity, just riding your bike. There are a couple of main phenotypes involved in that, and they're sport generic, such as flexibility and muscle strength. So obviously that's the ability to actually hold the position which is your flexibility. Uh, bike position is quite alien to us. So when you first jumped on a bike, it probably wasn't that comfortable, even if you had a bike fit and you probably could only hold on for a short period of time. And then the muscle strength to actually pedal, um, again, sport generic, so that apply that in any sport, any situation, flexibility and muscle strength are going to be a big limiter at the start. And then, of course, we talk about cycling specific here, which is your base fitness, base endurance, which is made up of you know a couple of different things, such as your ability to metabolize fat and oxygen and carbohydrates and, and turn them into fuel for your muscles. So now I'm going to take you through a massive or quite long list of uh, phenotypes, which we consider in cycling training. The first part of this list is sport generic. So pretty much every sport will consider these when you look at uh, personalizing your training. And so they are general health, health concerns such as sickness, disease, and repetitive injury, mental health, such as behavioral tendencies, anxiety, and other conditionings, bodily characteristics, such as your ability to build muscle, your lung capacity, your heart size or capacity, and uh, many more factors there. Personal preferences, which are likes and dislikes and other, other things like that. Training responsiveness, and your digestion, your ability to break down food, that is, and your diet choices. And that is obviously, uh, there's many, many more that I'm sure you could uh, list off there. But let's talk a little bit about cycling training specific related phenotypes. No doubt you've probably heard about these. But here's a different list of 
phenotypes that are based around environmental factors that uh, we, we look for. And usually the reason these have changed is because you've trained. So it becomes really obvious when I say that lactate threshold one, LT1, which is kind of an indicator of your aerobic or base endurance uh, fitness or efficiency, your functional threshold power or your uh, functional threshold heart rate, FTP or FTHR, your lactate threshold two, your LT2, your VO2 max or your aerobic capacity, anaerobic power or speed reserve, uh, APR, ASR, um, and uh, your maximum sprint power. As you can see, those are very different measures which we will go about uh, testing or benchmarking um, in order to make sure the training you do improves them in line with what you want to see or what we need to see for your goals. So, of course, as I said earlier, you need to know how to establish a baseline for these specific phenotypes. Lab-based testing is probably uh, the, the best, especially for LT2. It's not really any good at home. There's some kind of tests which you can estimate, um, but they don't offer you any more than doing a typical functional threshold power test or a heart rate test. LT1, you can estimate from a 3 and 12 minute effort. UFTP, obviously, typically that used to be 20 minute effort, but ramp test is becoming more popular. As I said, LT2 is really only good when you have lab testing. You can estimate your VO2 max from your best three to five minute effort. Similarly, your anaerobic power reserve can be estimated from your peak power and your three to five minute efforts. And of course, peak power test is probably the best for your maximum sprint power. And essentially, you just need to derive a test from that and then you can compare the results over a long period of time. Uh, as I say, it's not necessarily the most accurate if you're doing it um, in the field at home, but it's going to give you a good idea of actually, you, are you improving? You might not use this as a measure towards your goals, you're not necessarily looking to uh, use these measures as the ultimate end goal. But what you are looking to do is make sure that you can see progress. The training that you are doing should improve these tests. So, of course, I mentioned our other factors that are considered in your cycling training. Now, of course, obviously, the stuff like time available. That was one of the biggest things that I, I, I made my personalized. But we moved on a lot since then. But a couple of the two biggest ones. Our age and gender. They're a whole big subject, but I'm going to touch on them right now and obviously create more content for these later. But age is um, a really important one. For example, when you're younger, I would always recommend mixing up your sports. I see too many youngsters get too fixated on cycling performance improvements, see good gains up through their teens and then quit because they start to slow those gains down and they haven't varied their training enough. If you're young and you're listening to this, make sure you're doing cross training and you know stimulating your mind. The old adage of once you hit 50, you're in decline really isn't the truth at all. You do need to change your training. Absolutely. Are you in decline? Not necessarily. Of course, if you have been training since you were in your teens or you're a professional cyclist, you've probably been seeing a decline from your 30s. But you do have to have spent a heck of a lot of time and been pretty much a professional athlete to experience that. So I've worked with clients 50s and 60s who are seeing PBs, um, you know, maybe not in FTP and stuff like that, sprint power, maybe not. But in terms of changing your training up, you can still see improvements, Strava comms and or segments and stuff like that. Gender. If you're a man, you're lucky in this one. Sorry, ladies, I'll be brutally honest. But as a woman, you should definitely be personalizing your training around your menstrual cycle. I'm not going to touch on that right now. It's quite a bit of information. 
definitely go back to the blog, reach out. If you, if you're co- if you are coached or you're self-coached and you're not doing this, reach out to me. I'll have a 15 minute conversation with you. We can do this through there because it's going to be so much better. Your training will be much more effective. Um, if you time it well around your menstrual cycle, roughly how to do that is on the blog. So definitely take a look at that. The good news for ladies, though, as soon as you hit menopause, actually, you can start to suggest that that's the time at which you would adapt your training based on age. So for guys, it's kind of a bit of a, a bit of a guesswork actually around when you would adapt your training based on age. For women, you've got a pretty much hard marker, which is a real advantage in some respects because you know specifically how to do that. Of course, um, try not to whitewash the fact that it can be considerably ch- more challenging in terms of training around your menstrual cycle, but help is here and you should definitely find someone who is an expert and able to do this. Other environmental factors that don't necessarily affect you on a genetic level, so not typically, a, not necessarily a phenotype, because you will revert back to a pre-environmental factor state once you have left them. You may have figured this out. Number one for me is heat or climate. Number two is altitude. I would suggest that actually altitude is pretty fixed in terms of you're probably not going to see the gains that you want to see from um, using indoor tents and stuff like that. However, you can see pretty impressive gains from heat adaptation training, even if your event isn't in heat. So for altitude, I would just suggest that if you're going to have an event at altitude, you go there and you make sure you get at least 10 days worth of altitude training. That will see uh, you know, gains. Uh, you'll also see gains, of course, at spending time at altitude, then coming back down to sea level. But it's a bit of overkill, to be honest, um, with a lot of factors if you're, if you're racing at sea level. However, heat adaptation training, you will definitely be able to, to spend some time simulating that, uh, especially, especially valuable if your event is going to be uh, a climate that you do not have access to outside. So, of course, the final piece of your puzzle here is actually adapting your cycling training to your phenotypes. This is highly, highly individual, and there's no simple answer, so I'm very sorry to to tell you that. Having said that, trial and error, use the benchmarking and the baselining, test it, and then you can see this going forward. Now, there's a lot more to it than just doing the training. The training, obviously, um, needs to fit around your schedule, and you need to be working on your, obviously, mentality and nutrition as well. But when you actually look at yourself on an individual basis and you identify which are the key phenotypes that you are weakest at um, and how you would then translate the training around that, you actually will start to see some considerable improvements. And like I said, this is kind of touching edge at the time of recording this. Not, there's not many coaches that I hear about talking about this kind of thing. Definitely reach out if you want to have a consultation. If coaching is for you, uh, reach out to me. That's it. So thank you for, for joining me. I love talking about this kind of techie geeky stuff. It's the, the hidden, you know, behind the, behind the curtain or the veil or whatever in terms of how I do my job. If you've enjoyed this, please be sure to share it with your friends or leave me a like or a comment uh, or a thumbs up. Feel free to jump into our community, which is community.coachpav.com, uh, where we have a, a good chat about this and how that and the role it plays. And lastly, just say thank you. So my name is Coach Pav and have an awesome day. <laughs>